Hey everybody, welcome back to the Clear to Close podcast. My name is Carson Jones with Team Honey at Realty One Group Goldmark, and I am here with Ryan Bolton with Synergy One Lending here in St. George. How are you, Ryan? Great, great. We've hit a milestone. Yes, we. Uh, this is episode 11, so we just had our 10th episode plus episode zero, but we had our 10th episode. This is episode 11, so we were, that was kind of a goal of ours, that let's at least get to 10 and see see what's happening. So I've really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot about editing. I've learned a lot about camera and lighting. We've, we're still trying to get it all figured out, but it's been really fun. But uh, I, I remember when we started this, I got some tips from a person that does podcasts and they say 90% fail before they get to episode 10. So you and I were like, we're going to get to 10. We're yeah. going to get to 20. We're just going to just keep cranking them. So <laughs> yeah, I'm glad we, I, I'm glad we make it. And I mean, we're still we're still going. We still got a few in in the reels to to keep coming on. So yeah, we got some guests lined up. Yeah. So we're trying to get that. We'd love to have any comments, questions, topics, anything you want us to bring up. We'd love to have your feedback and help you drive the show and and direct what you want to hear from from us and what stories you might have that type of thing. So I think yeah. that's what we want to do today. We want to do another Q and A. We've had some questions submitted through the internet, so we want to just dive into a couple questions here real quick. Yeah. What's what's the first question that we have today? So got a great one for you that pops up a lot. This is one I see a lot. Uh, directed more for real estate agents and it's can a real estate agent refuse to accept a house to sell so do you just take every client that walks in the door i mean is there a process to say no i don't want to either deal with that client or that property or kind of what's your what's your criteria to taking on a client it's not just about hire you know everybody gets to hire you how do you determine whether you take on a client so that's a good question now you don't have to sell like let's say you go to a listing appointment and you don't have to say yes i like okay i'll sell your house no matter what you say i'll, I'll do it i mean i've said no to, to clients in terms of listing their house many times sometimes you just meet with somebody you're like okay i i don't want to work with this person I, I we're just not gonna mesh right or maybe i just feel like hey your house is going to be a waste of my time. It's going to be unsellable if you want to actually list it at the prices you're thinking of. And mm. so for an agent to say, no, I'm not going to sell your house for you, find somebody else. It's absolutely legal. And, and they could definitely do that. Now, if you're representing a buyer, it's a little different story. Mm. If you represent a buyer, you can't steer your buyers one direction or the other, right? You have to be careful of saying like, okay, well, I know the guy who owns that house, he's kind of a jerk. I don't, I don't want him to, I don't want to have to work with that with that seller. You can't steer your buyers away from purchasing a certain house because you have your own opinions about mm. either that owner or maybe the, the agent who's on, on that house. If there's an agent here in town that you just don't like, or maybe commissions for the buyer's agents are a little bit lower mm. on a certain house, you can't steer your buyer away from that or to others uh, specifically for the reasons uh like, oh, I don't like that agent or the commissions are lower, so we're not going to buy that house. Mm. Um, so you do have to do what's in the best interest of your buyer, right? Now, in the seller, it's the opposite. In the seller, of course, you have to do what's in the best interest of your seller, but you get to be a little bit more picky. You can find you, you can say, hey, I'm not going to call this for sale by owner because I could tell they're already $200,000 overpriced. You don't have to be uh, completely transparent and say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to call this one, but I'm not going to call this one because this one looks like something that I know I could sell quick. This one doesn't. So you could be a little bit easier before you are actually actively working with that client. But uh, but yeah, the biggest thing is if you have an agent and you're you're trying to buy a house and if that agent is kind of trying to push you away from a specific house and you can start to get the feel, it's because maybe they aren't getting paid as much on that house specifically or maybe they aren't, uh, they don't like working with that specific agent. Uh, just make sure they know, say, Hey, 
you're not the one who just decides which house that I get to buy hmm. and they cannot steer you in a certain direction. Yes or no uh, on, on that. Now, of course they can help. They can give their opinion on exactly kind of what they think you should or shouldn't do. But if you can start to get a sense that they're, um, trying to steer you away from something for their own benefit, then you definitely need to call them out on that. Yeah. And that's, you bring up an interesting point when you're the listing agent and a buyer comes your, your fiducial responsibility is to the seller. That's who you've got the contract with. That's how you've got your listing agreement right. with. I, I really am amazed at how many people don't get their own agent in those situations just because you have two competing ideologies. You know, you got a buyer that wants to get the best deal on the house. You got the seller wants to get the most for the home. And there's always that meet in the middle. There's always a number that, that makes sense if the deal even comes through. Now, sometimes there's just, yeah. they're not even close. But when it push comes to shove, it's, you can always tell when the buyer starts to push for certain things and they can't get all the information they need. They can't get all the stuff because this, the listing agent represents the listing, li- yeah. represents the seller. So I always recommend get your own agent. Get somebody in your own court, your own team, your own title company, your, all of it, your own insurance. Just try to get as much as you can under your... Not only does it protect your privacy a little bit more, it also you don't divulge too much information to the seller side too by working with both sides. I think it's really crucial to have your own agent in these, in these transactions, especially when it doesn't cost you anything. This buyer doesn't cost you anything. It's already built into the price. Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot about hiring the right team for you. I mean, it, it, it also is included with a, with a lender. Make sure you got the right lender. Make sure you've got a title company who's actually going to go through and do the work. They're not just sitting there waiting for you to sign the papers. Mm-hmm. I mean, make sure you've got that team that's doing everything they can to get you to the closing table, but also doing things in your best interest, right? Um, the the best thing that I've seen with lenders is a lender who just is open and tells somebody, say, hey, this is not the best option for you right now. We need to maybe look at some other options because some lenders are just so set on, oh, we just, I just want to get this deal closed. And they kind of refuse to even look into the situation that they might be in. And, and having a lender says, hey, we might need to wait another two to three months before we can make this really doable. Uh, that's going to benefit benefit you a lot in the long run to have somebody who's actually willing to do things to help you and not just to help their own pockets. And I think that's that's one of the fun part of the job. People always come, okay, I want a 30-year fix, but 20% down, bam, 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 that's it. Or pay cash. Or they always come up with kind of what they think they should do, not knowing there's so many other ways to get it done. Yeah. And that's part of the fun part for me is be able to say, hey, okay, that's option A. Have you ever heard of option B and C? And I'm amazed at how many times we, they usually come up with option D. They're like, Hey, why don't we combine or why don't we move some stuff around? Because they know their financial situation. They know what money's coming in or going out. Uh, they know retirement, you know, when they're going to retire, maybe how long they're planning on keeping the home. They just have more of their full story. So being able to give them more options helps them to decide what is the best option, not just another home loan. And so it's one of those things where having options and reviewing other things can help. Now I've had it backfire too, where I've had clients come in, I give them all this option. They go, Oh, this is too confusing. I don't want to do it. And then they just shut down. <laughs> so, yeah. and I get talking quick, I get excited. So sometimes I got to dial that back a little bit, but that's, that's why it's fun. That's why we're doing the show. That's why we're still in this industry is because there's fun stuff with it by being problem solving it and is. just showing other ways to get it done. And that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a great industry, but it, it can, it can be really tough, especially if you start getting to the point where, uh, um, where you start noticing that you're not being worked for uh, it, people aren't working for you and working to help you. And they're working to really just get the deal done. And when they're just working to get the deal done, that's when things start to get, uh, they're not going in your favor anymore at all. 
Yeah. And, and I would say a lot of times people get a little suspicious when mortgage people are coming up with their options because they think, oh, they're trying to sell me one that makes some more money. Yeah. And really since 08, I, our compensation's locked in no matter what program you do, no matter what. It's based on the loan amount. It really is. It's a percentage of the loan. It doesn't matter if it's FHA, VA, conventional, subprime, all the loan programs we have. We don't make any different money. So we're not really incentivized to push a different loan program. Yeah. Now, And I've even had loan programs that that made more sense for the client, lowered the loan amount to make it fit. So I actually made less on it technically, but it really is something where they've kind of decentivized that. It's yeah. just much more designed to be okay. When you do a loan, you make a percentage of the loan. That's it. There's no reason for me to push an easier, harder loan, one that makes more money. It, that doesn't exist anymore like it used to. So it's truly trying to be a benefit to the client. Try to think long-term, try to sleep at night, yeah. doing the right loans for clients and just it's funner. It's funner putting together the options and have, I've seen clients that will sit there on the phone. You can just kind of hear them go, Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And other times they get too bombarded with quite, they're like, no, I don't even want to think about it. I already know what I want. That's what I want to do. Great. But at least I feel like I did my job to say, here's the options just so you have all those, all those options. Yeah. Not just taking what, what's given to you. And I think, I think we see that in too many businesses where, they they ask what you want. And they're like, okay, here you go. This is this is what you get. Not giving you recommendation and and giving some a little bit of advice on how to make it a better deal for them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's why you hire experienced people is they give you more options. They've been around the block a little bit more. I guarantee I closed more home loans than you have. I guarantee it over <laughs> my twenty year career. So yeah. I've seen and done it all, and I've seen the pitfalls and I can see the mistakes that people make. And I still give my best advice and they'll still make the same mistakes, right. but at least I feel like I'm doing my job as being an expert. If I'm going to sit here and say I'm a local mortgage expert, I better be on top of stuff. I better know what's going on in the marketplace. I better know what guidelines are changing, what tools are on the marketplace. Because as the market starts to shift, as mortgage companies see their margins shrink and loan officers quit and mortgage companies close, they start coming up with new programs or tweak them a little bit to be able to try to gather what market share is out there. So being on top of it, being a professional being doing it and just doing it every day yeah. really makes a big difference right now. It's going to really weed out the the crowd right now. I, I agree. I mean, what, what else, what else we have? We have a couple other questions. Yeah. I had today. a really good what? question here that there's another one that comes up a lot. Okay. We're going to talk about inspections. There's two most common inspections when doing a home and they sometimes get lumped together. There's the appraisal report or the appraisal inspection. Then you have the home inspection, totally different things. Yeah. When you're doing a loan, you don't need a home inspection. It's not required, but it's a huge investment you're making. So get a home inspection. And usually you want to do that pretty soon after you get it under contract to make sure there's nothing wrong with the house. So what this question, I really like this question. If you're buying a new home, would you get a home inspection? So what, what would you, what would you say about that? I, I would say always get a, a home inspection and, and sometimes even more so when you're, when you're buying a brand new house. I, a lot of the times I think we've said a couple of times in this podcast was where the builder hires the a home inspector for you essentially. And I always say, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to hire my own. Right. And I, I, I do think it's a very uh, important factor for somebody buying a new house because sometimes, especially honestly, when the market is just say like 2020 to 2021, where builders can just list a house quick, get it sold quick. Right. Some of these builders start going cheap and some of the builders start to cut corners. They just want to get things done quickly. And so I think it's important. And, and some of it, they couldn't even hire the right guy, yeah. people. They just had to get whoever could get in there and maybe they weren't. Whoever, yeah, whoever yeah. can get in there quick and get it done. Mm. That's, that's who they were going to use. And so 
I always say, I mean, on some of these new, uh, new construction homes, I mean, go get an inspection with your own home inspector. Yep. Uh, you can of course use the builder's home inspector, but I always just kind of say maybe a little bit of a conflict of interest there. And so I like to say, get your own home inspector, have them go do your new construction before you close on it. And uh, if there's problems, then have the builder fix it because um, there's nothing with that new home that there shouldn't be things coming up on inspection that the builder should not be fixing prior to closing. I, I agree more so on new construction. Everybody, it's new. It doesn't yeah. need it. But I, everybody that's owned a new home within the first year, little things break. Little things seem to go wrong early on a new house and then it's great for the next 10 years. You know, it doesn't have any problems with anything unless because everything's new, the appliances and all that kind of stuff. But I can't tell you how many times something like you said was kind of put together last second or a contractor didn't finish it or you got contractors kind of over the top of other contractors yeah. so they kind of get out of the way and maybe they don't finish it quite right or bury it behind the walls. I mean, that's that's what happens. So and you're making a great point. Get your home team. We've talked about it like crazy. Get your own agent, get your own lender, get your own home inspector because their job is to find something wrong. They're spend three to five hours, depending on the size yeah. of the house. Yeah. Plug in every switch, turn it on every flip you know they're doing going through the whole thing yeah. crawling through the attic the crawl space the basement they got thermal cameras they got all kinds of stuff that you can do and their job is to find something wrong and they will yeah. now whether it's a deal killer or just a you know go tighten up that screw fix that tile that broke you know usually it's not a deal killer but i've always found they're worth it and usually it can be a little bit of a bargaining tool to either get it fixed yeah. or lower the price a little bit or get a credit back or something. Very rarely have I seen a home inspection completely kill a deal. Most of the time you'll get your money out of it easily. Well, and, and I think that's a good point, especially for, for sellers. A lot of, a lot of agents and buyers, unfortunately have kind of decided that the home, the reason for the home inspection is so that you can go and negotiate afterwards. Mm. And unfortunately that's not the case, but a lot of people think that is the case that I'm getting the home inspection. So maybe I can get some money off later on. And just remember, I mean, if there's a major thing that pops up in the home inspection, yes, absolutely go negotiate more. But uh, a lot of a, a lot of agents, unfortunately, a lot of buyers agents, and then the, and then buyers, they think that okay, I'm gonna just find all these little nitpicky things and I'm gonna go to the seller and be like, oh, all these have to be fixed. Well, no, you're buying a house that was built in 1995. It doesn't need to be fixed. Mm -hmm. It's a completely livable, fine home. It's just yeah, he's recommending that you. Uh, um, you replace your water heater sometime in the next few years or, or it's getting near it's the end of its life. Um, stuff like that. You're, you're getting that home inspection to know what you're buying. Mm, and, yeah, and, and I think that's something that people need to realize is when they're getting this home inspection. It's not so that you can just get the home inspection so you can start negotiating more. You're getting the home inspection so that you know what you're buying. And yes, if there's 10 items that pop up, there might need to be one or two things that need to be fixed in order for this house to be, I mean, ready and livable. And sometimes like we were talking about with an appraisal inspection, there's going to be certain things on that inspection that the appraiser might require to be finished before closing or at least be ready. To, I mean, hired out prior to uh, uh, prior to the time we sign and say, Hey, we have a contractor ready to go to come over and do this. Totally right. That's, that's why a lot of times there is the home inspection that we've talked about, then the appraisal. Yeah. And a lot of times, depending on the type of loan you're getting, does change the type of appraisal. You've got FHA and VA, which are government-backed loans. They do have a little bit more scrutiny on the home. It's not a home inspection still. At least say all over the report. But the home, if the appraiser goes in there and the banister is falling down and there's visual damage to maybe the roof is leaking, those types of things, or termite, maybe they can see termite damage. That's when they can say, hey, a further investigation of that needs to happen. Yeah. And with FHA and VA appraisals, they'll typically want to test 
the water heater. They'll turn on the faucet and take a photo. They will uh, check those things, but it doesn't go nearly as thorough as a home inspection. It it does. But a lot of people think home inspection or inspections are are one of those two, not both. And we've talked about, we really recommend both, but get the home inspection first to make sure there's not major things because that'll usually catch the things the appraiser is going to catch anyway. So it just makes that next process a little bit quicker. Yeah. And also don't order your own appraisal. I've had a lot of people do it or they'll try to take the appraisal that maybe was done before. Every lender has to do an appraisal and they have to do it through a system where we don't know who the appraiser is. So we yeah. cannot direct the business directly to an appraiser. It has to go through a management company to make sure that we're not coercing or forcing value on the appraiser as well. Yeah. And sometimes a lot of times the lender do the or an agent might become good friends with an appraiser and try to convince them, Oh, can you just make sure that this one works out for me? And so they, it, I think it's a good process where you pretty much you're put into a, it's pretty much a big pool essentially. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you say, Hey, here's our loan and find us getting an appraiser and they, they send it out and randomly yeah. you're selected. So we order appraiser. it through a management company. They randomly assign it to approved appraisers within the area. Now we can pick that panel, if you will, or that pool, but we have to give them a certain number of names and they always find a couple more. So then when we submit an appraisal request into the management company, they bid it out for a price and a time frame. And whichever appraiser that's available to do it on those gets assigned it, but I don't know who that appraiser is yeah. until the report hits my office. Now, that doesn't mean that I won't get a call from the buyer saying, hey, XYZ more appraisal company came by and I can find that out, but I'm not supposed to have any interaction with that appraisal until the report's done. Mm. Now, once the report comes in my office, if we can see discrepancies or it comes in way lower or a lot of stuff, that's when you can start talking with the appraiser and say, hey, why didn't you use this comp? Why was this not one that you used? Or uh, go into further detail about, okay, what did you see about the roof leak or the banister or the windows broken or just stuff like that? Yeah. Then you can start talking to them once that value is set. And even then, once the value is set, if you have a reconsideration of value, if you can supply comps or supply some things to say, Hey, why didn't you use this comp? Or why did you make this huge adjustment to view or quality of construction or something like that? But we really can't have any interaction with the appraiser until the report's actually done. Hmm. So that's why we can't use other reports that come into the system. We don't have any idea if the appraiser's approved, if he's licensed, if he's gone through the management process, and if he has any kind of a backdoor deal or something with the buyer, the seller, the builder, that type of thing. So they've really tried to separate our industries a little bit by adding that one little level. Yeah. And I think for the most part, it's helped. It's also helped to make sure appraisers get paid. I can't tell you how many times where they do an appraisal, didn't come in, and the lenders are just like, well, I'm not paying for that. The deal fell through. Well, we'll get you on the next one. You know, And they just raise the price on a couple of them to make up for that. But I also think there's down that we don't have nearly as much networking with appraisers that we used to. And don't have that that close yeah. bond to be able to get maybe yeah. a rush or comps or you know or just be able to do other stuff with appraisal. So it kind of works both ways. But I think generally it's been an improvement in the industry. There's too much manipulation on appraisals in 08. It is, and I mean they they've really started limiting it. So I mean you can't really have some of these one-on-one relationships with some of the appraisers now. They've kind of started making it so it's a little bit more difficult to even uh, communicate with them. At sometimes, I mean sometimes I'll get calls from an appraiser just asking what. Uh, what upgrades we had on a certain house so they could get help on their other appra- uh, on their other appraisals but there there's there's definitely become some limitations on on mm-hmm. what you can and can't do with with appraisers on the side great so i hope that uh, how are we doing on time yeah uh, good yeah i mean we're if we have any other questions right off the bat i mean i know 
uh, we've gotten a couple submitted to us from, from people uh, watching and, and continue to do that. I mean, send a comment on the video or send us an email. We've got that in the description of, of where you can send more, uh, more questions. But I mean, maybe we got one more. I mean, how about, uh, let's talk a little bit about just the, the loan process right now. I mean, I, I know right now we're seeing a little bit fewer cash buyers, but then also a lot fewer lender uh, uh, loan, loan offers because interest rates are rising, right? Mm -hmm. Now, what would you say are the, um, so I, I guess this is a question that can kind of be for both of us. So is now still a good time to buy, mm -hmm. right? And, and especially let's say you're getting a loan, forget the cash people is now still a good time to buy. Okay. Prices have dropped a little bit, but interest rates have increased. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what would you say is your opinion on why, why should you buy right now? If we're trying to convince somebody, Hey, this is still a good time to buy a house. You know, if you look at historic interest rates, they're still at what they have been well below highs. They're definitely above the lows, but I look at this, you're going to have a housing expense no matter what renting is 110% interest because yeah. not only are you throwing all that money away, you got nothing to show for it. You got no tax benefits, no appreciation on the home and homeowners win in the long run. I saw a report that over the last 30 years on average, even including 08, the biggest housing correction we've ever seen, homes are up 300%. Wow. Homeowners win in the long run. Yeah. And I tell you what, there's a pride in owning your own home that is worth something. There's a locked in payment your mortgage payment is way more consistent than rent. Everybody that's been renting over the last few years, has your rent gone down? Has it stayed the same? Now, some people are lucky if they've got a little old lady that's just renting out their house and hasn't you know, done anything with it, but almost everybody's seen their rent go up and some has gone up a lot. Yeah. And still nothing to show for it. Now, is there a time and a place for renting? Absolutely. Because rents usually are still a little lower than the same home payment, but there's more benefits to owning a home, especially long run. There's, there's more net worth that's factored in. There's more tax benefits factored in and it's yours. Paint, yeah. paint the wall if you want to. Yeah. Put up the pictures, do the additions, have a garage, have a backyard, have pets. I, I'm telling you what, I'll never rent again because I love my dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's and it's so much more expensive to rent a house that allows dogs now, right. if you can even find it. If you can even find it, yeah. yeah. So I, I always think it's a good time to buy. There's an old saying in real estate, the best time to buy was six months ago. And I don't care what market it is. It's amazing how often that's true. Yeah. The second best time is now. I know you people that are going to be buying right now are nervous. They're like, oh, I might be overpaying. I'll just refinance if I can. But I guarantee in six months, they're gonna, I'm really glad we bought. I love the house. I love the neighborhood. There's a sense of community. There's a sense of pride. There, there's, there was reports for HR to departments. People call in sick less if they're homeowners. They're more active in the community hmm. when they're homeowners. They're more pride of ownership. You get benefits on your insurance. There's it makes sense. so many other yeah. things to be in the community. And there's just, yeah. I tell you what, when you first unlock that door and open up your garage and you pull in, I mean, you can, you can attest to this. There's something special. Yeah. It's, it's it, worth it. You almost, uh, especially if, if, uh, you get little power trips. I mean, it's a big power trip when you walk into your house, you're like, this is mine. <laughs> What? Nobody can tell me what to do. This is mine, yeah. you know? And I'm amazed at how many people say, well, you're just renting it from the bank. No, you own that house. That yeah. is your house to do whatever you want to do with it. That's just a lean. It's just how it's collateralized. That's just the, yeah, the put, lean. You own Put a swimming house. pool in it. Bank's not going to say anything. Yep. You know, I mean, bank, you owe the bank the money that you owe the bank, right? It's yep. the same as a credit card in many ways. Yep. Uh, yeah. Okay. You owe, you owe the bank some money, but 
what you've done with that money now is something that you own. Yep. If you purchase, say, a uh, um, a new little Razor scooter on a on an American Express card, you own that American. You own that scooter. American Express doesn't own that scooter, right? right? Yep. You pay American Express for the scooter at some point, but um, hopefully that same month. But <laughs> <laughs> you, but you're the owner of that, and so yep. I think Dave Ramsey says it really well. I mean, he uh, he says just because interest rates are up prices have dropped a little bit but still buy the house and then if interest rates eventually drop just refinance the house mm-hmm. and a, a lot of people get so worried about oh it's a, it's so expensive to refinance the house is that okay it, it's going to cost you a few months worth of uh, of extra uh, of extra um, interest essentially but it's like with that, you're going to be saving a ton of money over time. Just refinance the house if right. interest rates drop. Instead, and most of the refis are just included in the loan. It's not like it's new out-of-pocket or new yeah. down payment, those types of things, as long as it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe yeah. rates won't ever go down again, or maybe there'll be no reason to refi. But if that's yeah. the case as well, that payment that you have is really locked in. Now, maybe the taxes insurance might change, but it's so small over time versus how much rent can just go up. And it's always offset by tax benefits, net worth, appreciation, all those types of things, or turn that one into a rental property, go buy another one or gain the appreciation and upgrade. So, and here's, here's a problem with it. I mean, a lot of people, they, uh, they hear something from so many different people. They hear something where one person is saying, oh yeah, by June next year, interest rates are going to be below 2%. I've actually heard people saying that they say, oh, interest rates are going to drop through the floor. We're going to be below 2% by by summer next year. <laughs> then I hear another guy say, I mean, I could easily see us being in the eights or more. Yeah. And when you see that big of difference in what's happening next, nobody knows what's happening next. Right, right. So be careful what you listen to and then what you start believing because you watch one YouTube video that says interest rates are going to be this amount in the next six months. They're never going to be that amount in the, in the next right. six months, no right. matter which video you're watching. So just remember that when you're, when you're kind of where you're getting your information, Ryan and I try for the most part to not give, uh, give our opinions as facts, right. And not give our, uh, uh not sit here and say, this is exactly what's going to be happening because even Ryan and I know that even our opinions are not going to be correct. You know, I mean, I might say they're going to be 7% in six months. You might say 5% and probably neither of us are going to be right. Right. So, yeah. um, uh, so that's, that's, and the that, thing that's I where the payment for. is important. Get yeah. the payment where you want to do. If the payment's two grand and, and rates 2%, the payment's two grand, the rate's 9%. Yep. That's what the payment is. That's what you want to be comfortable with. If things get improved, great. That's a, that's bonus. That's gravy. Yeah. But really it's something, what is the comfortable payment that fits the budget? That's better than renting. That gets the tax benefits. It gets you into home ownership, gets the appreciation on the home. Even, like I said, even in 08, when we lost the biggest correction ever in human history, we're still up 300%. Mm-hmm. It, over the long run, it will be better. Now, everybody's worried about buying now, have the houses really go down. But the people that are loudest about the home prices go down are in the price range where I don't see them going down like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, higher end homes, yes. There's always less buyers for homes in the million plus. But if you're under four, there's always more buyers. There's always more people that can afford that home. They don't see the correction. Yeah, I have people that are waiting for the $200,000 house to come back again. Yeah, it, it won't be. I mean, I don't see that coming back. No, and, and I think something people do is they wait too long. Yeah. And in 2020, we had people that said, oh, well, I'm going to wait for all the prices to drop. Now those exact same people are saying, well, now I'm going to wait for the interest rates to drop. And say, so you're just going to keep on waiting because yeah. now as the interest rates drop, prices will go back up. Right. 
And then you're going to be... And the inventory is going to be less because they're not building as much and yeah. not as much inventory showing up. So And now they're thinking, boy, I wish I would have bought in 2020 when they were just starting to go up and or just starting to go up quickly. And now all of a sudden, okay, they've dropped a bit, but now your interest rate's higher. So even though they've dropped, you're paying more per month. Yep. And it doesn't really make sense to people. They say, what do you mean I'm paying more per month? Yes, you're paying more per month because you waited. Even though it's a, it's a lower price, you're paying more for each, uh, um, every single month because of your interest rate is so much higher. I had a client that we had them pre-approved at 475. The same payment was like 375. Yeah. And they just were like, oh, you got, you know, just because again, they just waited, they were hoping for market to go down. And then of course this year is so weird because rates moved up so quickly. We usually don't see them move up that quick. So there's a sense that, okay, they got to come back down a little bit. Well, we thought that at five, then they went to six. Well, they got to go back to six. Now they're set, you know, I don't, and, and nothing in the fed, nothing in what's happening is saying that they're going to be slowing down this rate curve right. and you have an election right. year next year. Anybody that's saying rates are going back to two or three. Wow. There, yeah. I don't see any market force right now that's going to drive rates down that quick again. I mean, it took years and years and years and years to get them down to that point. There's no way where I, I see that now softening and going back down a little bit. Sure. There's a natural thought that if a stock or anything kind of jumps up, there's always a leveling, maybe a correction. Yeah. But not to that extreme, or at least until well after election next year. And that's going to just be a wait and see for everybody. I think it's it's honestly dangerous to wait, right? Mm-hmm. It's dangerous for somebody to just say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to wait this out because I think this is what's going to happen. Well, in the world that we're in, the world is changing quickly, right? I mean, all it takes is one new war, one new attack somewhere, uh, a new natural disaster. I mean, let's say an earthquake hits in the Bay Area. Well, what are all these people in the Bay Area going to do? They're going to have a lot of, I mean, hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions of people, moving to somewhere else, yeah. right? And suddenly, maybe some of these coastal California prices are going to drop to the floor, yet places more inland like St. George, all of a sudden these prices are going to skyrocket because you have this huge influx of, of people yeah. coming in. So so it's one of those things where it's like you can't ever determine what's going to happen in the future, uh, even a week from now. Yeah. And trust me, I mean, there's things that could happen where, okay, we're at 7% right now. There's things that could happen where we could be at 5% in two weeks. Uh, but then there's also things that could happen where we could be at 12% yeah. in two weeks. And that's where, I, like you said, I think there's still, there's a lot of doom and gloom and it's, always, it's easy to get caught up in all that type of stuff that what can happen. But really, home ownership lives in it wins in the long run. It, it does wins yeah. in the long run. Yeah, and you're going to have set. a housing expense either way. Why not own it? Yeah. Why? If you're spending two grand a month, that can still afford a good house. It really it can. can. It can. And there's just, it, at least and then you look can at make that house better now. Yeah. Right. You can make that house worth, I mean, it's really infi- infinite amount more, uh, however much you, you want to put into that to make it worth more. And sometimes people have the skill to do it a little bit more on their own sure. where they don't have to spend a whole bunch of money. They can do little and There's no things. reason to do that to a rental. Why would you want to do anything to a rental when you can take that money and put it into yeah. other things? So you don't get anything back off of what it is. Otherwise, maybe the experience of using it for the short time you're in that rental. So, yep. Well, good. I mean, let us know what other questions you have and uh, we'll, we'll answer some more. We've got some guests ready to come on the show here soon. And so uh, we'll, uh, we'll have more episodes coming soon. But thanks so much for watching. Yeah, episode 11. Episode 11. Look at that. Through. We're getting there. Here's to 11 more. <laughs> at least 11 <laughs> At least 11 more. more. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, everybody. Hey.